Well, we're glad you joined us today. And um, before I get into things, I just want to share a little bit about um, our Friday night culture night that we had on Friday night. But I um, also want to welcome Richard and Adele Gates, who are, who are back rowers today. They were with... How long ago were you in Adelaide at, here at the church? 14 years, so quite a while ago, but they were a huge part of things here for a long time, and then they've um, backslidden into Victoria. Um, yeah, you have to throw that in, don't you? I mean, <laughs> anyway, so Friday night, we, um, we had our culture night for youth and young adults, and um, you know, it, was, it was an amazing night, and um, God is so good in so many ways, and um, I think we just saw him really break through into this generation in a new and fresh way for us, uh, and 14 kids gave their lives to the Lord. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, some of them are a little shy maybe to, you know, connect formally or anything like that, but I was amazed how easy it was. I'm telling you that the harvest really, really is ready. And it surprised me, actually. I was saying to someone that even when I was speaking, uh, how uh, they were listening and taking it all in, there wasn't any issues or anything like that. God's blessing was just on the whole night. And the whole team just came together amazingly and hosted these guys. And I want to give a special thank you to Zeph, who doesn't... Yeah, give him a round of applause. We don't always see Zeph, uh, you know, he's not necessarily uh, wanting to push himself forward. But I have to say, he just put on a lighting show from heaven. And um, it was awesome. We'll, we'll do it one Sunday morning and show you. But um, it was just awesome. And I'm telling you, this generation just really, really love this stuff. And so we can, we can reject it and say that we don't need it and that's fine. But or we can speak their language and just draw them in and get them saved at the same time. And so um, it was, it was you know, a lot of the kids didn't encounter Jesus and his presence for the very first time. And so we had like 80 or 90 kids here. And, um, and this is just the beginning. We've really felt God um, saying to us, even by, take a few steps of faith, but to really begin a movement for this generation in the southern region. And so I think it's really um, opened something up even for us uh, when we're planning our church at Odinga next year. It's even going to just start ploughing the soil a little bit for us there as well because, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the kids are from Southern Vale's Odinga campus. And so it's just going to be a whole lot easier. Uh, but I was saying to Karen, I think it was, that I can't remember the last time where we've seen 14 people become born again in this building. And, um, you know, it's a long, long time. And so uh, it's a very significant thing. So please be praying for Culture Nights. We're going to do them once a term, uh, praying for the harvest and, uh, and for this next generation because uh, this is a whole generation that, that hasn't necessarily encountered Jesus. Uh, there's whole, uh, whole groups of them who've never heard his name. You know, these, these, these guys, they may have been to a church once or twice, or maybe even if they've grown up in church, they haven't necessarily been a generation that have, you know, encountered a move of God, uh, you know, charismatic, renewal, Jesus, people movement, Toronto outpouring, or anything like that. They don't even know what these things are, but they need Jesus. 
and they need to feel him and run with him and be empowered by him. So that's why we're doing it. But um, yeah, so be praying and, and we feel just there's going to be an increase on increase in this thing. And it's exciting, isn't it? And you guys are part of that. And so I actually want to thank everyone here this morning for coming with us on the journey, even the lighting journey and the painting journey and all the different journeys that we've had as a church because um, we are a really, really blessed people because of the flexibility that God's given us. We're able to maneuver things and do things and even, even host this generation in a way that if we resist everything, we couldn't do that. So I want to bless you guys, all of you, uh, for coming on that journey with us and um, you are going to see amazing, amazing fruit from that. And, and I absolutely prophesy that. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, um, do we want to preach today or want to just go out in the sun? I'm not sure, but, you know. <laughs> Why don't you open your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 4. Um, last week I only went for like 20 minutes. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do this week, but we'll just see how we go, right? Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 really gives a description of the faithfulness of Abraham. And God promised Abraham in his middle years that he was going to be a father of many nations and, and uh, have you know, generations succeeding him. And this seemed like a weird thing. He waited decades and decades to see the promise, just the seed of the promise beginning. And so I want to pick it up in verse 16. And it says, Therefore, the promise comes by faith. I just want to pause there for a minute. Many of us have had promises or have got promises that maybe God gave us decades ago. The promise comes by faith. It's not something we can conjure up. It's not something we can even make happen in and of ourselves, even though we try. And believe me, I've tried. We, we can make every effort to make a godly promise come to pass. But the only way a godly promise can come to pass is by faith, is by simply believing, trusting, hoping in him. And it says, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offering, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. I love that phrase. You've probably heard it many times. Calls things that are not as if they were. Things that we can't even see, we can't feel, we can't understand. God says yes over those things. God's promise brings light onto those things. It brings them out. It brings things that are absolutely dead in the natural. And sometimes when our circumstances around us seem to be going lower or getting worse or maybe the, 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 the situations, our relationship, our finances or our health or whatever it may be around us may be going completely down. And it's very, very easy to let toxic thoughts come in. And those toxic thoughts are the enemy just saying, see, I told you so, it's never going to happen. It's never going to come to pass. You know, that, that wasn't a promise from God. That was just a tease. It was all a fake. That All those Christians 
Christians, they all just go after this thing and they believe this wobbly little thing and they keep themselves happy. But really, that's not the truth. That's not how you attain peace and harmony in your life. And it's easy for the enemy to come in and try and steal, kill and destroy the promise of God. But then we sometimes just have to dig very, very, very deep. Really deep. I've told this story before, but um, I can't help but put pipes into my sermons. It's just in me. It's in my DNA. But anyway, um, and this week I was just sort of seeing uh, the new owners who bought our business, and so it's just brought it's brought a revival of pipes back in my life. <laughs> anyway, so we manufactured fiberglass pipe, and in fiberglass pipe, uh, even on massive, huge, big pipes. Um, there's one key element that really I always think of just like hope. It's exactly the same as hope. But in, in fiberglass pipe, you have uh, you know, 30% sand, you have 30% resin, and you have 30% glass, roughly. You know, 33% of each of those materials stuffed in, wrapped around uh, moulds and things. I won't go into that. I'll do a PowerPoint one day for those of you who are interested. But anyway... This is how you make fiberglass pipe. But there's one key element that we add 1% of. Just 1%. And you can't really even see it. You can't really smell it. You, you can easily miss it. And we did this many times. Miss this 1% ingredient. And you end up with this big mess on the floor. This stew of resin and sand and glass. And it's just a mess. And the 1% is called catalyst. And the 1% catalyst in our lives is called hope. It's exactly the same thing. And if we don't have that 1% of hope in the recipe of our makeup and who we are, then we end up like a big wobbly mess on the floor. We can't see hope. We may not be able to smell it or even understand it. But Abraham had this key element called hope. And it birthed nations. It birthed the promise of God. 1%. It's enough. In fact, even less than that will still set the whole thing off. 1%. I think this is is such a good way to remember that it doesn't take much. We only need our little bit of agreeance with God's promise. Even though everything else may be saying no, that 1% agreeance with the promise will bring it to pass. And then it will birth more. And it says in verse, seven, uh, verse 18, I love this bit. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Or in other versions, it says, in hope against hope. I actually even prefer that explanation. Because sometimes we feel like we're hoping for something that is just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that you're hoping against all hope. And some people may say, there's no hope for you. There's no hope for that situation. There's no hope for that job or that promotion or for you to own your own home or for you to have a beautiful family or to be blessed or to be happy or whatever it may be. But in hope against all others' hope, you still hang on to that 1%, little bit of catalyst, and it will set the promise off. Now, it took decades for Abraham. I'm sorry to say that. It took decades. I know that may be a little dampener on things today. But 
I've found also that it doesn't matter how good I might preach on a Sunday, I might hear an awesome sermon and take hold of that promise. And you, Or if you have, like I've said many times, if you have an encounter with God down the front here, be prayed for, you feel his power and his fire and you feel all revved up. And then a season of um, wilderness may come upon you. And that's actually really the title of what I want to share today is faith in a time of famine. It would have been real easy for Abraham just to write this whole promise off and just give up after 10 years, 20 years, but he kept going. He kept going. And so maybe this is just for a couple of people today that I want to encourage you, have faith in your time of famine. Now, you may not be completely in famine but maybe in your spirit you're in famine. Maybe there's promises that you just know are from God, but even you've squashed them down. Even you've put them down because it's just too annoying to even think about those things. You know what I mean when it's just like, oh, I'm sick of even hoping anymore. I'm sick of hoping for that goodness and that favor and for that blessing and that breakthrough. Then just go into Abraham's closet for a minute with him and just remember that he had the most ridiculous promise spoken over him. I mean, seriously, if you think about it in the natural, it, it's, it's just like, hello? Like, seriously, where did that thought come from? The father of many nations. I mean, you know, the guy is too old to do this sort of stuff in the natural. But God says, in hope against hope. And so sometimes it takes great amounts of faith to even just have that little ingredient to believe again. And I think that might be for some of us here this morning, even those words, believe again. Believe again in the promise of God. Believe again in the goodness of God. Believe again that He wants to bring incredible things out of your life, out of my life, and turn it into a promise. And when God turns things, He really turns things. When God fulfills promises, He makes it known. He really makes it known. It's interesting that when we're in a time of famine, it's, um, it's actually one of the hardest things, I think, spiritually to really have faith. When God comes close, it's, it's a little easier because we might feel him or we can hear him. We're just in a season where the word of God's just coming alive and words are jumping out at us and it's just everything's amazing. And I believe God gives us those kind of injections so that when we're in the famine time, we can recall those moments. We can have our book of remembrance. And, and I know uh, I haven't done this in a while, but there was a season. Um, Karen's really good at journaling. And so um, we were both going through a, a time and I was doing a lot of journaling as well. And when I go back to those journals, it's incredible what you find you've written years gone by, isn't it? When you go back and you go, wow, that's come to pass now. That's come to pass. I can't believe it. I didn't even realize that it's come to pass. But God answers secret little things, doesn't he? He just sneaks up on you with promises over the years that come to pass. And so then when we go back in our book of remembrance and we go, wow, God is so good. He is just so good. He never lets us down. Go to Luke chapter 7. I've got one of those Bibles that has, um, you know, the little abbreviated books along the tab. I find them actually a real pain in the neck because you know where the book is, but you end up studying the little tab and, and you can't find it unless you find that little tab. Anyway, obviously that's just a personal thing. I'll just keep that to myself. 
Thanks, Jill. Luke chapter 7 is the story of the faith of the centurion. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and was about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to have come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. This is one of the greatest examples of an instant answer to faith. Sometimes this is the way God does it. Now, I would say, to be honest with you, this centurion had radical faith. You know, there, there are levels of faith, I think, in, in my life that so, certain times it takes a real step to go, we're going to believe now. We're going to really dig in and believe for that promise or believe for that healing or believe for whatever that might be. And in this case, I think the centurion, to actually say that Jesus, the presence of Jesus doesn't even need to come in here, but he just has to call something out in a faraway place and it's going to happen. This is a real understanding of the kingdom. It's a really deep understanding of the kingdom. Because in today's world, it's so much about being around the, the person who maybe, it maybe even has the anointing or the gifting or the calling or the prophetic utterance or whatever it might be or just a really good ability to draw crowds. And this is in the church as much as in the world. It's, it's the same everywhere. And, and yet we can forget that the kingdom of God is, is, is a kingdom that we can't see. And it's not about that one person or that one man. And, and this centurion, Jesus was on his way. I mean, I've got to be honest, there's no way in the world I would have done this if I was the centurion. Even though, you know, I might have understood the things. I know my own humanity. I would have wanted Jesus coming into my house. I would have wanted him to come. And that shows me that there's a distance between my level of faith and the centurion's level of faith. And the centurion's level of faith was, I know the kingdom. The king only has to just announce a decree and it's going to come to pass. And many of us, the king has announced a decree over us. And now it's time to take that, even though you may not be seeing and feeling and healing the presence of Jesus walking into your midst... It's by faith, like Abraham in hope against hope. We take hold of that promise and we say, no, the kingdom of God is real. The word of God is enough for me. And we take that decree over our lives. And like the catalyst, we stuff it into our spirits. One percent, just a little bit. It doesn't take much. 
And even today, if there may be something, it it may be financial or whatever the situation might be, it just takes a little bit. Just like the mustard seed. Mustard seed, really, really tiny, hey? But it's one of those things that produces a whole lot of very, very potent stuff. Very potent. Promises are potent. And so is Catalyst. It will blow up the whole of Lonsdale. If our Catalyst storage tank ever goes up, the whole of Lonsdale's going up. But um, anyway, back onto pipes again. Uh, yeah, it's funny how that happens. The good thing that, uh, that I have found about faith is that even though it may be a little bit, faith grows faith. Faith begets faith. Faith increases faith. And so it might be this morning that you just you, you only have a skerrick left in you to believe. I want to tell you it's enough. It's enough. One percent, half a percent. It's absolutely enough because the king has decreed it over you. And just like the centurion, he doesn't need to be, you don't need to be seeing, you know, everything break and loose, the kingdom of heaven, signs and wonders, jewels falling down in your bedroom at night with supernatural encounters. You don't necessarily have to have all that stuff going on because the king's decree is enough. His word over you is enough. And then it's ours to receive like Abraham in hope against hope. We take hold of that promise and we say, Lord, let it come. Let it happen. Let it chase me down. Let it come. What can I do? And um, I, um, I was talking to a, a guy who was a pastor in the AOG for a long time, actually at Planet Shakers, and, and he said something to me this week that um, just got me thinking. And um, he, he said that for him, and this is not a representative of, of uh, where he was or anything like that, but this is just for him. He said to me, Make sure you enjoy the journey and not so much just striving for the destination. And I think we've heard this kind of stuff before, but it was just a good reminder for me. You know what? This morning is the journey. For us, this week is the journey. When you're with your family, you might be having dinner. I know most of us are probably going to be down at the beach this afternoon. That's part of the journey, you know, or whatever it might be. But Whatever we're doing in the coming month, this is the journey. And, and it's like live every moment, that saying, isn't it? And so it's, it's realizing, wow, sometimes we strive so much for that perfect day where we're just going to float on a cloud and everyone's just going to look perfect, sound perfect, and we're going to wear gold rings and watches and those nice suits like those black dudes do and just look amazing. And do you know what I mean? And we just have this image of perfection. Maybe when we're 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or whatever it might be, where everyone just loves us and we've got so much money just oozing out of our pockets that we can just float around and give $100 bills to people. And, and, and so we, we live our lives striving for that day. And all the while, we've got so many opportunities so many opportunities to love people, to release the kingdom of God, to enjoy people, enjoy being a human. You know, we're actually not going to be a human for very long. Ever thought about that? We're not really going to be in these bodily forms for very long before we then become spirit. We, we go up there. He gives us new ones. And then we'll look perfect. And then we'll do everything right. 
But this is only a very little while, isn't it, that we get to enjoy living out the kingdom through humanity. And it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's incredible. And when we focus on the incredible and we focus on, wow, what a gift. What a gift that he has given us to be able to live out the kingdom of heaven in bodily form and release that to those around us. But we need to believe the decree over us. Believe the king's decree. I feel to just reinforce that for some of us here this morning, probably even me as well. Believe the king's decree over you. Don't believe anyone else's decree over you. Believe the king's decree. He may be far off, but if you've heard it, it will come to pass. If you've heard the decree, like the centurion, take hold of it. Take hold of it and put catalyst in your faith and let it set everything off. There's a a difference with law and grace. Under law, the people of God obviously did sacrifices and they, they made atonement for their sins and they did certain things so that they could be made right with God. And in that order, we can see that the law, by, by fulfilling the law, there was a reward. There was a reward by fulfilling certain requirements. But under grace, Jesus comes in the new covenant and he releases grace for everyone, not just those who believe in the law and, and are certain, and Jews and this type of um, following the requirements. But he throws, scatters seed all over the earth. The gospel gets thrown all over the earth. And he says, this is available now for everyone. And so we can see that under grace, there is a reward simply for believing. So instead of the reward being for fulfilling all the requirements, and this is what we can do in our our daily lives, we think, oh no, I haven't prayed enough. I haven't been nice enough. I haven't loved enough. I haven't done enough. And the enemy can squash us down with what we haven't done. But under grace, Jesus decrees over us, it's not by what you do, it's what I've done. You only have to believe. And just by simply believing, it is enough. Just like the centurion. He showed us the New Testament way. He showed us the way of grace. It's by believing. Only believe and the promise will come to pass. I want us to stand. I want to pray because... Thank you. You may be here this morning and and, uh, maybe feel that famine or maybe it's not quite like a famine but it's just not quite going the way you planned it. I want you to remember that the king's decree over you is exactly the same as when he gave it. It hasn't changed. It hasn't wavered. He's not up there doubting whether the promise was from him or not. When the king gives a decree, he gives it. You can go to the bank on that thing. It is an absolute deposit of heaven. It doesn't matter what it was, how crazy it was, how ridiculous it was. The centurion's faith was absolutely ridiculous, but it was incredible. And we get to learn from him. History gets to learn from one man who had faith. So I want to just pray this morning, and if, if, you, um, if you feel this resonating with you, I want you really to let it go into your spirit, not just your brain, 
not just thinking through this week of how we can achieve more or do this or do that, but let it soak into your spirit because we are spirit man, spirit woman. It's the eternal part of who we are. So, Lord, we just thank you for your promises. I thank you for every decree that you've spoken over every person here this morning. I pray for those of us where the promise has nearly died and we might have released the promise to just another day, another era or another person because it's just too hard. Lord, I pray today would be a day where we would rediscover faith in the time of famine. We would rediscover your decree, the king's decree over us. And that promise would come alive again. That destiny, that calling, that hope against all other hope would come alive again. And be stirred again in our spirits, not to annoy us for another decade. But now is a time of fruitfulness. Now is a time of coming to pass where the promise will chase us down. The promise will chase you down. And so, Lord, we ask today that you would release by your presence, by your spirit, a renewing of the promise of God, a renewing of the calling of God, the anointing for a fresh season, the anointing of the Holy Spirit and fire for a fresh day, fresh faith to see again, to believe again, to hear again, to understand again, to know again, to read again, to believe the best is yet to come, to believe that incredible things are just ahead. Holy Spirit, I pray you would anoint us as a people who believe, who believe radically, radically in the faithfulness of the King's decree of the King's mighty voice over us in love, His fiery eyes of love looking upon us even today and saying, believe again, believe again, believe again. It wasn't a lie. It wasn't a lie. The enemies tried to come and steal, kill and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have it so abundantly. I pray abundant life this morning to be released in this place. If you want that, just raise your hands. I want to pray just a general prayer this morning. Lord, I pray that you would release faith to believe again. Faith all across this room. Lord, that supernatural faith from heaven would be deposited in our hands, deposited in our hearts, deposited in our spirits, and that you would birth the promises again. Where they've been aborted, you will bring them back to life. Because you are not a God of abortion. You're a God of life. And so I speak life over those promises. I speak life over the destiny, the calling, the hope. And this morning is a morning of hope. Hope, of hope. Hope deferred can make us sick, but Jesus Christ is the resurrector. And so this morning, I pray a resurrection of hope, a resurrection of vision, a resurrection of life and destiny and fresh anointing, fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit, I pray you just move across this room and touch your people with a fresh unction of fire, a fresh unction of anointing, a fresh unction of power, because your kingdom is a kingdom of the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Fill us up again with thoughts of hope. 
Remove every toxic thought. Remove every negative thought. Remove every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And so we take those thoughts captive right now in Jesus' name. We cast them aside. And Lord, we take on a garment of praise, a garment of hope and destiny. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just want the worship team to come up now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just keep receiving right now. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd fill us up today. Uh, fill us up today with fresh hope. Fresh hope. Fresh hope. Fresh hope, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. We're going to worship with one more song. If you want to come out the front and just worship, and uh, we'll just pray over you for a freshing and an infilling of hope. And, and of his presence. And um, yeah, so we're going to just sing this song with Jackie. And if you're visiting with us, we'd love you. You can have a free latte from the cafe. We'd love to say hello. And um, let's worship together. <laughs>